I'm Carrie Stoker, and welcome to the Stand Strong Podcast, episode number three, Telling versus Teaching. Welcome to the Stand Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Stoker. As a certified life coach, I help Latter-day Saint women strengthen their family relationships when a child struggles with mental illness. As a lifelong student of the Word of God and the mother of children diagnosed with mental illness, I teach with scripture and stories how to navigate this challenging road for a bright, fulfilling future. Hi folks, today is my anniversary. Mike and I have been married 33 years and we are going to celebrate by going out to dinner. Celebrating is a good thing. During college, I studied marriage and family and I learned that one characteristic of a healthy family is that they celebrate things. So this really appeals to me because even as a child, I wanted to go to every party and I wanted to plan my own birthday parties and I would invite too many girls to these parties. My mother was so nice to indulge me on this. It didn't happen every year, but when it did, that I could have a party. I made the most of it, and I loved to celebrate. So Mike and I will definitely celebrate tonight by going out to dinner at a fancy restaurant, which is a favorite way for me to celebrate our anniversary. I learned another really interesting fact when I was in college. I had a parenting class that I took at a time when I think my youngest was, oh, probably 12 or 13. I didn't think I would learn that much since we have had five children and I had through the years taken courses and read books and did a lot of practicing, but I found I could always improve. So the class was confirming on a lot of levels about how to parent and what was effective parenting. I think the most important point that I learned from that parenting class is that how you raise your children matters. And that there are specific skills that, when utilized, ensure your success as a parent and the healthy development of your child. Now, I'm not any kind of authority on the subject of parenting, but I have been a parent for almost 32 years, which means, like many of you, I've had a lot of experiences to teach me. But there are authorities on the subject. One of those is Dr. Lawrence Steinberg, and he has studied families and parenting for decades. He's one of America's leading experts on parenting and and is well published. So I'm not here to give specific parenting advice, but instead point you to resources like Dr. Steinberg, where you can learn the skills you need for your specific situation and for your children. This morning I was reading the family proclamation and a sentence in there struck me. It's from this that I wanted to speak today. It says, parents have a sacred duty to rear their children in love and righteousness. I really appreciate this part in the family proclamation because it feels like a place where I can go back to and say, oh, okay, I have reared my child in love and righteousness and I did the best that I could. And yet, there were still a lot of challenges. And even though I employed a lot of skill, I had much to learn. It is true that generally, we're good parents. Dr. Steinberg said that. He said, generally, 
We are good parents. Okay, I bet if you just thought, yeah, I'm doing a pretty good job. And I think that's true. Mostly there's good parents around us and we come from good parents. And yet there is much to learn. We could be better, right? Because there's no such thing as a perfect parent. And so there's always going to be things that we can improve on. And so when I look back and I say, yes, my children were reared in love and righteousness. But sometimes I didn't love very good. Sometimes my righteousness might have slipped a little bit. Generally speaking, I can see why that is an important part of parenting, rearing in love and righteousness. And I have the obligation to do that. So when I look back and I think I did that, that was really an important part of our family life. The way my husband and I reared the children, and yet we made mistakes. Quite often, I have heard women say, as they reflect on their children's behaviors that don't feel in alignment with their own values, especially if they're suffering from mental health issues, they say, okay, I taught them better than that. Or I taught them to go to church and to dress modestly and to not swear and to pray and to repent. And so we often will think about how, yes, I taught them those things. I taught them the way to live and I try to be a good example of those things. And sometimes I messed up. And I let them know, too, that I wasn't a perfect parent, but that I really did try to teach them. And that's my part. My part is to teach them. So what I have to say about that is that that is true. That is our part, to teach and to love and to rear our children in righteousness. That is true. But you know what? There are skill levels in teaching and parenting. We teach all the time as a parent, even when we're not formally teaching, we are teaching as a parent. And so it's important for us to learn skills that will help us in that teaching and that will help us parent. Parenting is a science. And what's interesting is that it is a science. And that science can be counted on. There are specific things you can do to have, a ch to have children grow up to be well-adapted, resilient, successful children. It's provable. And it goes beyond the bounds of what race you are, what religion you are. It goes beyond the bounds of how much money you make, whether you're rich or poor. And the amount of education you had, it goes beyond the bounds of whether your children or you were raised by a single parent. Or if the most dominant caregiver in your life wasn't a parent at all. And it stands through the test of time. The type of parenting skills employed makes a difference. And so this is a science, which is really good news because then we just need to follow the science. It doesn't matter that, oh, I wasn't born into a home that taught this. That's okay because there's a science to teach it. And there's studies. Hundreds of thousands of families have been studied. And so we have the research and there's a science to it. I just think it's really good news. Let me tell you a story about one of my daughters. She expresses herself physically and she just moves about the world in kind of a physical way. She ran, jumped, danced, just moved about in the world physically and sometimes kind of in a strong way too. And she would, along with her running, dancing, climbing and all of that, she also liked to punch 
and kick. <laughs> oh, she just expressed herself physically. Not all my girls were like that. So I know it was unique to her. And something that was just, I don't know, just something about her. When she was young, I want to say around maybe four or five, she would punch her sister. She'd get mad and hit her sister. She did this frequently. And so one day, learning from some parenting instruction that I received, which I do not remember where. I don't remember if it was from a book or from someone else that I associated with, a mentor of mine, but I learned about a way that maybe I could handle this. So when this daughter got mad or frustrated with her little sister, bam, she would hit her. And so I had to put a stop to that because this was an issue of safety. Her younger sister was not safe with her around playing next to her. I looked at this as not a time to teach appropriate responses anymore. I'm sure I had taught that already. This issue of safety needed immediate attention. And so this is what I did. I prepared her for what was coming down the pipe. I told her, the consequence of hitting your sister is that you will need to stay in your room for the rest of the day. But don't worry, sweetie. I will still bring you some dinner and I will still come in and check on you and be with you a little bit. But you will need to stay in your room by yourself for the rest of the day. So I clearly laid out the consequence of hitting her sister. The next morning, she hit her sister within the first hour of being up. I said, oh, okay. And very, very politely, very respectfully, I said, okay, so remember that means that you need to stay in your room for the rest of the day. Oh, no, I don't want to. And, and she threw this fit about that. And I just very matter-of-factly just nicely picked her up and took her to her room. And I said, okay, you have to stay in here for the rest of the day. I brought her meals and I would come in and talk to her and read to her a little bit and the door was left open all day so we could talk, you know, from the hall or from the other room that I was in and she was still able to associate with the family. I didn't act like I was mad or upset with her. It just was the consequence that we had set up for hitting her sister and it gave her a long time, all day, to consider what would happen if she hit her sister again. So the next day, she actually went a couple of hours and then bam, she hit her sister because she was mad at her. So I said, okay, sweetie, you know what that means. You've got to stay in your room for the rest of the day. She hollered about that and said, no, I won't hit her anymore. I don't want to stay in my room for the rest of the day. And I said, it's perfect. Tomorrow, you'll be able to practice this. You'll have the chance to hold yourself back from hitting if you feel mad or whatever you need to do to not hit. I said, tomorrow, you'll get the chance to start again. But for now, you'll need to stay in your room for the rest of the day. And so I escorted her into her room. She wasn't happy about that. She was bored in there. And I would, you know, just see that she had some things to do while she was there, but it really was not preferable for her. She wanted to be out and about where we were. I would bring her lunch and dinner, and she stayed in her room for the rest of the day. Third day. You know what? She lasted, I think, three or four hours. And bam, she hits her sister because she was mad at her about something. So I said, okay, 
So you'll need to stay in your room for the rest of the day. And from what I remember, she willingly, without too much fuss, went into her room. I'm sure she was thinking, yep, this is what happens. I've got to stay in my room for the rest of the day. And I did explain to her during all this that I can't have you around your sister. If you're going to hit her, that's not safe for her. It's not right for me to allow that. If you're going to hit, you need to be away from your sister. And so that's why you're in your room. You know what? That was the last day. Three days it took. And then she was done hitting. She didn't hit her sister after that at all. In fact, I don't remember her physically doing something again like that to one of her sisters until she was much older in her middle school years. And I saw this physical expression again, and I understand better now. During those years in middle school, in the female brain, there's so much in the biochemistry of the body that's going on. There are many changes in there, and so there's much more flare-ups of anger and frustration. It's interesting, I have this example of parenting and how that worked, and there is a science behind that. And part of why that worked is because I wasn't mad and I didn't hit her. I could have easily slipped into an angry reaction and spanked her for hitting her sister. You know, this is how our kids learn, right? We all know this. We say, oh great, I just yelled at my kids for yelling at each other. Oh, we've all had experiences with that. I have as well, but this time the reason it worked was because I had applied the science to it, even though I didn't know that I was doing that. Now I want, I want you to take note of something. There were all the times before that, when she hit her sister, that I did not handle it with intention or with a plan. I definitely reacted to it, probably sometimes not so well. But there wasn't a rule with an appropriate consequence of breaking the rule. We've all had experiences with that. I have as well. But this time, the reason it worked was because I had applied the science to it, even though I didn't know I was. <laughs> now, I want you to take note of something. There were all the times before that when she hit her sister, that I did not handle it with intention or with a plan. I definitely reacted to it, probably sometimes not so well. But there wasn't a rule with an appropriate consequence of breaking the rule. I don't remember how I reacted, but I didn't apply the science to it, didn't have a consequence or a follow-through. All of that took some intentional parenting. It took some understanding of the ages of the kids, what was happening, how often, the severity of it. It took me some time, but I eventually was able to formulate a good way of handling the problem. And of course, the hitting continued until I employed good parenting practices. When I observe families and I see where the children are pretty adaptive to their environment, where the children are successful at school, and they're successful in their relationships with the other children around them. They're learning to be honest, to obey the law, to contribute to contribute to society. You can see this in families where mostly that's happening, and I agree. There is a science to it, right? It's true. Some parents have learned the skills, and how they learn those probably varies. It might have been patterned for them as children, which is definitely an advantage. This is why I encourage all of us to improve our parenting skills because of the advantage it gives. And to not just drop back on, well, 
I was not taught how to do this. All of us have examples from our own parents that aren't that great. You know how I know that? Because I've done some things that aren't that great. I want to circle back around to the family proclamation. This is an inspired document. Every word was carefully chosen. And what's beautiful is that we can all study it and learn how to specifically adapt it to our situation. Individual adaptation needs to happen. And when our motivating feeling is love for the Lord, we will be moved to find out how Jesus would have us parent our children. Individual adaptation needs to happen. And when our motivating feeling is love for the Lord, we will be moved to find out how Jesus would have us parent our children. We will be moved to express our love in ways that are honorable. And I also feel like we will be moved to research how to help or how to improve our parenting skills. And we can take situations one by one so that as challenges come up, we intentionally parent based on proven methods. Because you guys, I know that you love your kids. I know it. And yet, how to show that love and how to express that love? Well, maybe that's its own podcast. And so, as you are considering how to best help your child who is suffering, please consider that there are some skills to be learned. It's not just telling your child that they shouldn't hit their sister. If that was all that I did, tell her the rule, could I now say I taught her? Or does teaching mean more than telling? Yes, I believe it does. Amidst all the turmoil that's going on, there are some skills to be learned that will help. They helped me. I had read many parenting books. I had taken some parenting courses at the elementary school. I had been looking at the newest ideas on how to train my kids. This continued education and parenting really helped me, day in and day out, get a little bit better each year. While I was getting my bachelor's degree, our youngest kids were teenagers, and Mike and I didn't have any little ones anymore. So I practiced new ideas on these older kids of ours. I was able to employ some of those skills that I learned in the class in how to communicate, how to listen, and how to have that reflective kind of speech. I learned many things and had tried them out, and by golly, they worked. I was a little surprised. I was also surprised that I hadn't yet um, gained those skills in like in reflective speech. So we never know it all, but we can keep improving. And I'll tell you what, now my kids are all adults. All five of them are adults. And there are parenting skills to learn for those of us with adult children. So I'm listening to those podcasts. I'm reading those books and those articles. I'm learning the skills of parenting adult children, which look different than when they're younger, of course, but it's still based on decades of research. And the importance of um, interacting with them in love and righteousness remains constant. So the science is so amazing. I'm so grateful for the background that I have had, and I also seek forgiveness for all the mistakes that I've made and continue to make as a parent. It's more than just looking back and saying, man, I taught them better than that, or I taught them to do this or that. 
So I am off to celebrate 33 years of marriage when we first formed a new family unit. We've experienced much, and being a parent has been a delight. And maybe I'm saying that because I don't have any more kids at home, and parenting adult children is absolutely a delight. I have an amazing family. But all of this experience has increased my capacity to become a better Christian, and for that I am grateful. So, I am off to celebrate and to reflect on the goodness of God in giving me the opportunity to have a family that I can learn so much from. Talk to you all next week.